Do you uh, pick up a service sheet or a Bible, if you've got one to hand? Uh, we're in 2 Timothy, uh, into, uh, chapter 2, uh, this morning. Let me pray for us as we come to God's word. Our Father, King David says uh, in Psalm 19 that your word is more precious than gold to him and sweeter than honey. I pray this morning that we'd find uh, his words to be true of the passage that we uh, think about, that we'd find it to be more valuable than gold and sweeter than honey uh, in our mouths. We pray you'd come to us and speak to us and feed us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, 2 Timothy, uh, chapter 2, starting from verse 1. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. And if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Okay, children, a question for you. A few questions for you as uh, we start. Uh, I'm going to give you a person, and I want you to tell me what you think their main job is. Uh, so, so what about a, an ordinary doctor? What does an ordinary doctor do? Yes, Johnny? That's perfect. Yeah, he makes people well. Uh, what about a teacher, an ordinary teacher? What does an ordinary teacher do? Yeah, Isaac? Yeah, really easy one, wasn't it? <laughs> Teaches people. Uh, an ordinary plumber, what does an ordinary plumber do, Abby? Yeah, repairs the pipes, nice, fixes bathrooms, fixes kitchens, that kind of thing. Uh, but what is an ordinary pastor's job? What is an ordinary pastor's job? I'll tell you, don't worry. What is an ordinary pastor's job? Uh, their job is to preach uh, the gospel. Verse 1 of chapter 2, uh, Paul says to Timothy, uh, be strengthened, be strengthened, Timothy, by Christ. And be strengthened to what? Oh, to preach the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done for us. If you remember from the last few weeks, uh, Paul is a dying apostle, and he's writing to convince Timothy not to abandon the task of preaching the gospel. We see that largely, actually, in the previous uh, chapter. 
Uh, verse 8, he urges Timothy not to be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. Not just of the Lord, but of the testimony of, of speaking, of witnessing to Christ. He says of himself that I am a preacher, an apostle, a teacher, chapter 1, verse 11. That the gospel has been entrusted to him. And verse 14, that it has now been entrusted to Timothy, uh, the person who's writing the letter to and what does it mean to have the gospel entrusted to you? Well, I think it means, just from what we read there, uh, that Timothy needs to preach the gospel. Uh, having the gospel entrusted to you does not mean that you uh, preserve it uh, so that no one has access to it, like a, uh, like a secret recipe that's been passed down through generations, a uh, secret ingredient which no one else knows except for the, the holy huddle. No, preaching the gospel, entrust, being entrusted with the gospel means preaching the gospel uh, so that everyone has access to it. It means putting the gospel on display and making sure that everyone has access to the genuine truth of who Jesus is and what he did. It means proclaiming the gospel in such a way uh, that you're guarding against uh, people who are coming in and saying that Jesus did something else. Uh, So guarding against uh, a wrong understanding of it. Uh, People who will come and corrupt the gospel. And you're guarding against kind of open attack. People who just want to get rid of it altogether. People are out to destroy it. That's what it means to be entrusted with the gospel. So Timothy, be strengthened. If you like, the gospel is a bit like like the biggest diamond in the world. He's given it to Timothy. Um, And what you could do with a diamond is you could lock it up up away so that no one ever sees it. Uh, No one has access to it, so it's protected. Or you could put it on display so that everyone can see it. But if you do that, you also need to guard it to make sure it's not stolen. And Paul is telling Timothy to put it on display. Uh, but what else does an ordinary pastor need to do? Because uh, part of the job, verse 2, part of the job is passing on the job. Uh, Christ has entrusted the gospel to Paul, and Paul has entrusted it to Timothy. And Paul says to Timothy, you need to entrust it to faithful men, in verse 2. Uh, men who are faithful and able to teach men who can do the, do the job of preaching the gospel. Not only does a, a pastor the one who preaches the gospel from the pulpit needs to be faithful himself and needs to be able to raise up faithful pastors to come after him. And if he fails in that, then when he finishes his ministry, whenever that is, uh, that his ministry uh, will likely die out and fail. In that sense, a uh, ministry, this ministry at Christchurch is only so many years from failure. Uh, so the, it's a part of the job, it is passing on the job. And really what we have from verse 3 to the end of the passage, verse 13, is what a faithful preacher needs to know. What a faithful preacher needs to be ready for. And really, that's what we have all the way to the end of uh, 2 Timothy over the next few weeks. And so, I feel like the particular application of this passage will be to men who are thinking about ministry, men like me. I'm thinking about going to ministry in the future, so the particular application is primed at me and others in our congregation are thinking about full-time Ministry. Uh, but it's not like other Christians can just sit back and relax and switch off when it comes to letters like 2 Timothy. I want to say that for two reasons. I want to say that for two reasons. Uh, the first is that what we're about to look through in verses 3 to 13 will apply to all of us to the extent that all of us in our lives are called to put the gospel on display, are called to speak the gospel to our friends and to our families and those around us. Uh, 1 Peter 
3.15, Peter's writing to multiple churches and he says, always be ready to give a defence for the gospel. So the so preacher, Timothy, uh, might be doing it from the pulpit, uh, but speaking the gospel is the collective church task of the church, isn't it? Uh, there's no such thing as a silent Christian. And so all Christians will have something of the taste of the task of Timothy. And so we'll need to be aware of the challenges and need to be uh, motivated by similar things as well. Uh, that's, that's the first reason, that there's, there's, a, there's an extent to which it spreads to all of us. Uh, but the second is this, that the faithful preacher preaches on behalf of the church. Uh, so, so we're one people, aren't we? Christchurch Central Leeds, you're very welcome to joining us, but Christchurch Central Leeds is one people, one body. And the faithful preacher up the front is the spokesman. Think of the Prime Minister, when the Prime Minister gets up in Parliament to speak, to address, um, to address Parliament, what he speaks, he speaks on behalf of the party. And the party will have to respond to what he says. They'll have to be ready to answer questions from the public and from other um, politicians. So whatever the Prime Minister has to face as a result of him speaking, so all the whole, um, whole of his party. It should be like that with the faithful preacher as well. Whatever the faithful preacher faces, the whole church will have to face. In a moment, we're going to come and see how uh, it is a struggle to preach the gospel. And it's worth saying, the struggle is not just for the faithful preacher. The struggle comes to the whole congregation as well. You may have had the experience of being if you like, mocked and rejected, not having actually said anything to anyone, but simply because you're a Christian. Someone finds out you're a Christian before you even talk to them, before they know who you are. They already distance themselves from you. Um, so, so what do we need to know? Verse 3 through to verse 13. What do we need to know? And I think the big message is this. To the faithful preacher in this church, the big message is this. Don't give up in the struggle. Don't give up in the struggle. When the going gets tough, don't throw in the towel. Or when the heat is on, don't pack it in. Verse 3. Share in suffering. Be ready to suffer. Because where the gospel is spoken, suffering is certain. Now, now why is that? Isn't the gospel good news? Isn't that life to those who are perishing? Isn't it forgiveness to those who are guilty? Well, yes, it is. But for it to be good news, to be truly good news, it has to come into the context of bad news first. In that sense, the gospel is a bit like a rescue helicopter. It's only good news a rescue helicopter to those who are lost at sea. And to those who know that they are guilty and need forgiving, to those who are sick and need healing, the gospel is good news. In that sense as well, it's a bit like a surgeon's knife, the gospel. Now children, what is a knife, children? What is a knife used for? What do you use a knife for, Isaac? Yeah, for cutting things. And the gospel is a bit like a surgeon's knife. That when it's preached, it cuts. It is a sharp knife. It's a razor blade that slices people through to the heart. That says to them that who you are is a problem. And only people who know they are ill, who know they need healing, will be willing to submit to the surgeon's knife. And if people don't think they're ill, who don't think they need help, have the gospel preached to them that they are guilty and that who they are 
is a problem, they're going to respond by kicking back. They're going to respond by maybe trying to blunt the knife, preaching a gospel that doesn't cut, or respond by taking away the knife altogether so there's no gospel to preach. Take away the surgeon, for that matter. So there's no minister to preach the gospel. Share in suffering, he says. Suffering is certain. And to help us understand what it looks like to share in suffering, he comes up with these, Paul comes up with these three rich metaphors. It's quite nice when your passage does your illustration work for you. Comes up with these three rich metaphors. And the obvious point is that preaching the gospel will be a struggle. Each person here, a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer, are going to face a particular struggle and they're going to need a certain trait to get through and resist certain temptation. And so you've got a soldier, and his struggle obviously is, is war. He's about to face a terrible, bloody battle. And the trait he needs, says Paul, is single focus, singular focus. He says, verse 4, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, for his ambition is to please the one who enlisted him. And his temptation will be to lose focus. His temptation will be to become distracted, to focus on uh, his hobbies instead of hitting the gym. A soldier to, to focus on, on playing sport, maybe, instead of discharging his duties, or to go to sleep when he's meant to be on watch. He needs to be ready for the fight, not distracted. Or, or the athlete, what's his struggle? Athlete's struggle is the marathon, isn't it? When he's in the middle of the marathon, exhausted, limbs aching, sweat dripping, what will his temptation be? The temptation will be to cut corners to take performance-enhancing drugs. So he needs the trait of being self-disciplined when the going gets tough, not to break the laws, but to compete according to the rules. Or the farmer, well, his struggle is just the constant back-breaking, day in, day out, labour of farming, up at five, bed at ten, calloused hands, blistered fingers. And his trait will need to be that he's up for the slog. He's ready to work hard. Otherwise, his fields are going to not bear any fruit and weeds will come up. And his temptation will be not to bother, not to, to sleep in, to be lazy, to let the weeds grow. And what if you notice the overall temptation for all of them is just to give up, to lose focus because the fight's too fierce for the soldier, or to cheat for the athlete, 